when we lived in Auckland, Judy used to nurse at a very large retirement village right behind the manse, St Andrews. In fact, there was a gate. So the minister used to actually be the chaplain there, but the retirement village got too big. They ended up employing two part-time chaplains. But anyway, Judy was employed to work in the hospital wing, and she would go across and she would nurse some of those folk. And there was one resident who Judy nursed often who celebrated her 100th birthday while she was there. Uh, Let's call her Mary. And Mary's family were quite close. One of her sons lived a couple of streets over from the retirement village and happened to be the principal at Kerry College. One of her granddaughters was married and worshipped with us and the great-grandchildren used to come to church. And so Mary had lots of family around and, and they visited often. But she would now and again say to Judy that she was ready to die, that she was tired. And she had a lovely Christian faith and she knew where she was going. She just wanted to go home. She was ready to be with her dear saviour. And she was becoming a little bit frustrated by the delay. Now and again she said, oh, I'm getting in the way and I'm a wee bit of a bother for the family. A few years later she did pass away and it was sad, but there was a sense of triumph in the funeral that she went to be with her Lord. But it got me thinking, uh, and it got me thinking because I was visiting someone in the Dunstan Hospital a little while ago, and she was unwell, but she talked about a friend who was longing to put on his wooden overcoat. Have you heard of that before? I'd never heard of that before. And I stopped for a minute and thought, is that what I think she's saying? (laughs) Anyway, someone who longs for their wooden overcoat, I've just never heard it. Now, you may be surprised, or you may not be surprised, that Shakespeare has expressed this frustration in one of his most famous plays, Hamlet. Do you remember the story? Hamlet, the young prince of Denmark, his father appears to his son as a ghost. And the dead king demands that Hamlet avenge his murder because he didn't die of natural causes but was poisoned by his brother, Hamlet's uncle, who then has the audacity to marry the widow and set himself on the throne. What a dysfunctional family. Anyway, the young Hamlet is completely surprised. And so what does he do? Does he face the family dysfunction or what? I wonder if you recognise these words and he's wondering what to do. To be or not to be? That is the question. And he's talking about committing suicide or not. Listen to this. Whether it is nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune deal with the family or to take up arms against the sea of troubles and by opposing them end them to die to sleep no more and by a sleep to say we end the heartache and the thousand natural shocks that flesh is heir to tis a consummation devoutly to be wished for to die to sleep to sleep perchance to dream ah But here's the rub, for in that sleep of death, what dreams may come when we have shuffled off this mortal coil? Apart from being the most beautiful of poetry, Hamlet is wrestling with this frustration of whether it's best to do the right thing, whatever that might be, or whether actually it might be better just to die. But he hesitates because he's not sure whether he will be dreaming of peace or anguish, of sweet light 
all the blackness of hell. Is it impressive how insightful and relevant Shakespeare continues to be? The bard puts into words what so many people have felt. And though this is an apt word and an insightful word, it is by no means the last word. The last word, as we wrestle with this tension about whether to live or die, the last word always lies with God. So I want to do a little bit of a compare on contrast. The young prince of Denmark compared to how Paul is thinking and feeling as he also faces death but in the prison and then writes to the Philippians. The background, as I mentioned, Paul's in prison again. He's been telling people, come to Jesus. Without Jesus, you have no hope. And so he's in a prison cell. And then he writes in verse 20, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage, so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. So Paul's also facing that life or death situation, not at his own hand by potential suicide, but by the hand of others. And he's saying, here in prison I face death, and I pray I will not let Jesus down. And then he writes this wonderful word, which many of us know, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labour for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. And this is similar to Hamlet's to be or not to be. (laughs) He's saying to live is Christ, to die is gain. Hamlet was saying, do I live or do I die? Do I face this difficult family situation? Or do I just commit suicide? Jesus is saying, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And no wonder he's saying, I am torn between the two. However, there's a big difference because Hamlet is despairing and contemplating to take his own life. Where Paul knows whether he lives or dies, Christ will be with him, the desire of his heart. And this brings him a great peace and a sure and steadfast hope. It's not so much Paul's wanting to end his current misfortune, so Hamlet is just wanting to escape a really difficult situation. And potentially Paul could be the same. He's in prison again. And I'd imagine he's just so tired of being in prison again and again and facing all of those difficulties that he's had. But he faces it with a confidence in Christ, not with a sense of dread. Hamlet's facing a lose-lose situation. If he lives, he must face the family dysfunction. If he dies, well, it gets him out of trouble, but will he have the peace that he hopes for? Paul, on the other hand, is in a win-win situation. If he lives, he can still bless others, even in prison. If he dies, he'll be with his dear Lord, and that's his heart's desire. And of course, as I'm comparing these two different people, Hamlet and Paul, that's really where our challenge is, isn't it, today? Are we like Paul, where death is a win-win situation? We either stay and bless others, or we die and be with our Lord. Or are we like Hamlet, where life's just one suffering after another, and we're not actually sure if death is going to make any, any difference? Paul resolves that tension by focusing on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of his faith. So, 
What's our takeaway? What's our application? Well, first, it's not wrong to long to be with Christ. So if we go back to Mary, who was 100 plus, she was longing to be with Jesus. It's not wrong to do that. Paul longed to be with Jesus, and so do many of us. But we have our eyes fixed on Jesus. So that even in spite of the suffering that we may be having, we persevere knowing that Christ has a purpose for us, no matter how tired we feel, no matter how much pain our aching bodies might be giving us, or whatever difficulty we face. When it's time for us to shuffle off this mortal coil, as Shakespeare put it, it will be up to God. Unlike Hamlet, who's contemplating suicide, we don't have that option. We trust God for his appointed time. And Paul, he had a reason to stay. He had a sense that God was going to use him. How? He's in prison. I mean, how is God going to use Paul? Well, think of all the letters he wrote, some of which he wrote from prison. Think of the blessings that um, Colossians is to us and, and Ephesians and Philippians, all written from prison. He was able to encourage people and to challenge them by the pen. And so that's for us as well. Even if we feel a bit restricted and a bit confined and not having the energy and the opportunities we had, we all have opportunities to encourage others around us. A kind word here. A card to someone that's been on our heart. An email if we're into that sort of high tech. Maybe over if you're staying for lunch, you just say some kind words to the person next to you and be a blessing to them. And we can pray. We can pray. I, I, I love it when older folk have me on their prayer list because I know they've got the time and they pray wonderful prayers. And we can lift people up to the throne of grace and ask Jesus to bless those folk. So, let's put our confidence in Christ and his word. Though we long to be with him, Christ is our life, our very breath and we are in his hands. And with the word of God being our rock and our foundation, we have a sense of peace. And this peace passes all understanding as we rest firmly in the rock and the refuge that is Jesus, our Saviour. Let's pray. 